Okay, the paragraph here. It's possible for us to wrongly focus on the person of Jesus. For example, Isaiah refers to him as a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. We could concentrate so totally on his intense suffering and brutal crucifixion that we obscure a pivotal truth announced in Hebrews 12, verse 2. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation. Jesus' joy is of such vitality and invincibility as to cause the combined malice and deceit of man's disobedience to pale in comparison. Isaiah and Hosea, as referenced by the Apostle Paul, say this, death is swallowed up in victory. So death, tell me, where is your victory? Tell me death, where is your sting? Joy then, for all its elusiveness, is powered by the inexhaustible, unquenchable, energy of the Godhead, and to think that this joy, his joy, is now ours. I, I love the, the emphasis that Hebrews gives on the incredible blessing that is ours in Jesus to have his joy, and that the reason Jesus was able I mean, obviously he was God, but as a man that he was able to endure the suffering of the cross was because he was able to look far beyond just the cross and he was able to see the result for the joy that was before him. And the joy that was before him was of all wild and almost unbelievable things, us. We are the joy that was set before him. We are the fruit of his sacrifice. And this is why we are the reason he came. And so that's hard to believe, hard to picture that God would actually go through all of that so that we could be reestablished in a relationship. But that is the amazing truth here in the gospel. So I just want to look into three short passages out of Colossians chapter 1. Uh, that really look into um, our this joy that is now ours. So in, in also chapter 1 of Colossians, verses um, 12 through 14. Colossians 1, 12 through 14. Here in the, in the Passion, it says, Your hearts can soar with joyful gratitude when you think of how God made you worthy to receive the glorious inheritance freely given to us by living in the light. He has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom realm of his beloved son. For in the son, all our sins are canceled and we have the release of redemption through his very blood. That's, that's truly an amazing statement that this plan of God was so that we could know the joy that Jesus gives us, the completion of this sacrifice of Jesus, the purity of Jesus' sacrifice, his willingness to go the distance for us, releases this salvation joy in us. And so even when, you know, as I mentioned, if you had a chance to read my note from yesterday, even when we're not aware 
of the joy, it is always available to us. It's always there. This is something Jesus put in us. And so we can always experience it as we focus on him. So the blank in the first, first one there, verses 12 to 14, is the solid basis of our joy. The solid basis. It is completely on Jesus' sacrifice for us. Jesus rescuing us from the realm of darkness, as it says here, and completely rescued us from the tyrannical rule of darkness. And is, he has translated us into the kingdom realm of his beloved son. Because in the Son, in Jesus, all our sins are canceled. And we have the release of redemption through his very blood. So all our sins are canceled. Our past sins, our current sins, and the sins we have yet to commit. And I was in, our, in my message this morning, I was mentioning a, a, a quote by Dallas Willard, who says that it's just really an amazing thing that God no longer looks at us on the basis of our sins. So Jesus has completely wiped that out, and we are now his redeemed, and we've been forgiven. And so here we are in this redeemed thing, and there is joy that has been placed in our hearts that can't be taken away. So even if we're suffering, even if we're grieving, and all of those things, there is still an energy from the Godhead, which is joy, which powers us through the way we keep going in spite of. There is something that drives us forward, knowing there is more coming. And so that's, that is one of the things that is ours in this plan of salvation, this incredible, incredible joy. So we look at verses 21 through 23, still in Colossians 1. And in the Passion, it says, Even though you were once distant from him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions, he reconnected you back to himself. He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence. And now there is nothing between you and Father God, for he sees you as holy, flawless, and restored. If indeed you continue to advance in your faith, assured of a firm foundation to grow upon, never be shaken from the hope of the gospel you've received and believed in. And this is the glorious news I preach all over the world. So, you know, Paul is... You know, he's almost ecstatic as he talks about the plan of salvation here, as he's writing to the church in, in Colossae. He's just, he's acknowledging how far they've come, what lives, what sin-filled lives they used to live. And then this is what Jesus has done. He's come and reconnected all of us back to himself and released his supernatural peace, which we talked about last week through the sacrifice of his body. So all these things we know, but the outcome of Jesus' sacrifice brings us this incredible joy. The fact that God sees us not as sinners, but as those who've been redeemed. We are the redeemed ones. We are the ones who've been called out of darkness into his glorious light. 
so that we can dwell in his presence and that there is nothing between us and God now because he sees us as holy, flawless, and restored. Even if we're in a period of disobedience or we're having a little hissy fit, as I mentioned last week, we God's ability to look at us, he can't see the what was, he only sees what is now. By his love for us, he chooses to see us somehow in Jesus, covered by the blood, washed by the word, and holy and blameless and restored. And that's hard to believe. You know, often when I look in the mirror, it's hard for me to believe that this is someone who's been, who is holy, flawless, and restored. But that's what scripture points to. And so we have this amazing inheritance. And so the second part here, because this, we have this based on Jesus' sacrifice. So the blanket number two is the unseparable nature of our joy. And if you put a hyphen between un and separatable, your autocorrect won't light up. I know it's not a word, Horace, I'm sorry, but unseparatable nature of our joy. Jesus has accomplished it. Jesus has made it available to us. So as messed up or as confused or upset or angry or fatigued or burned out or whatever, God is still able because of Jesus' sacrifice, to look at us straight in the eye, or maybe we should say God looks at us straight in the heart and sees what he's accomplished on our behalf. And so he doesn't see what isn't. God is able to see what is and what will be because he's not limited by time and space like we are. And so this is an unseparatable nature, This the joy that we have. So we can't undo it. We can't sin ourselves out of God's joy that he's provided. So we just can relax in the truth that God has for us. And then the last few verses, verses 24 through 27. Still in Colossians 1. I can even celebrate, this is Paul speaking, I can even celebrate the sorrows I have experienced on your behalf. For as I join with you in your difficulties, it helps you to discover what lacks in your understanding of the sufferings Jesus Christ experienced for his body, the church. This is the very reason I've been made a minister to the, by the authority of God and a servant to his body, so that in his detailed plan, I would fully equip you with the word of God. There is a divine mystery, a secret surprise that has been held concealed from the world for generations, but now it's being revealed, unfolded and manifested for every holy believer to experience. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people. And God wants everyone to know it. Mm. See what Paul has gone through from his incredible conversion 
on the Damascus Road, which we often read in Acts, he had a major 180 degree turn from his zeal for Judaism, and he had to completely turn that around, and maybe it's a 360, came all the way around to full truth so he could be zealous for the gospel, zealous for the message that Jesus brought. And in the process of having all of this revealed to him, he's now even able to say, as he says in verse 24, I can even celebrate the sorrows that I've experienced on your behalf. Because Paul knows that no matter what he experiences for the rest of his life on earth, it all pales in comparison to the glory that is reserved for afterwards. So he's able to say, you know, in other passages, you know, so like, I consider our present difficulties to be not worth talking about, basically is what he's saying. And yet when we look at the things that Paul has gone through, we think, wow, I don't know if I would really call these the momentary afflictions. These seem like major things. He's almost been killed several times and shipwrecked and stoned and all of these things. But it's because he's fully or more fully aware of the glory that awaits. And so as he finishes these verses, verse, well, the last verse 27, when he says, living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people, and God wants everyone to know it. So this plan of salvation is so much fuller. Not only is there freedom, not only is there peace, but there's even joy, this elusive thing that we have a hard time even describing. So the third blank, number three, is the open secret of our joy. It's an open secret. It, is, it was hidden. It wasn't understood. There was no teaching about this because in the Old Testament, the Jews were required to constantly give sacrifices for their sin. And there were constant repetitions over and over and over again. And Jesus has come once for all to remove all of that from us. So no sacrifice is necessary now. And as James Bryan Smith says in his, in his book, we, know, we don't confess now to be forgiven we confess to be healed because we already are forgiven. Our forgiveness is, is a blanket forgiveness in the perfection of Jesus. And so our, our sins yesterday, our sins today, and our sins yet to be committed are covered. They're pardoned already. They're forgiven. We are the forgiven ones. And if that weren't true, we'd all be, we'd all be lost. You know, I mean, and we'd always be so condemned and But as Paul tells us in Romans 8.1, obviously, there is now no condemnation, not one thing that is condemnation now for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. And I think that's, that's an important thing. And uh, we might even say there is no condemnation that is legitimate, because how many of us actually feel condemned sometimes? 
know, the enemy is a liar and he's always out to get us. And so there are times when we feel condemned. But because of Romans 8.1, which we should probably memorize and stick on mirrors, etc., there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So when we feel condemnation, we need to be able to go look the enemy in the eye, as it were, and say, get out of here, because that's not legit anymore. You're not allowed to do that because I'm in Jesus. You know, we're, we're not sinless, but we're in Jesus. And so we have the plan of salvation at work in us, and we have this joy that nothing can take away from us. So that's, that is this, this element that is, I think, the supreme element in the plan of salvation is that we would be we would be empowered by the same joy that Jesus knew. And the outcome of it, as I was suggesting in my note yesterday, is what do we do with all this joy that's pent up? We celebrate. And so I've put a note here at the bottom from this book, The Good and Beautiful You by James Bryan Smith. And he says, the quote at the bottom of the page, if you've printed it, celebration is a way of engaging in actions that orient the spirit, the transcendent dimension within us to worship, praise, and thanksgiving. We celebrate because our souls love it. We celebrate because God is the most joyous being in the universe. And so often we have this really sometimes twisted, dark view of who God is, kind of like the, you know, the grouchy old guy waiting to beat us over the head. And there's nothing in scripture that points to that. God's chosen people are the people he loves. He wants to restore fellowship. He wants to restore relationship. And it's why Jesus was sent to accomplish this mission to communicate God's love to us so that we would know the fuller dimension of all that God has planned for us. He loves us with an eternal, unchangeable, uncancelable love. Mm -hmm. And so we are his redeemed. We are those who will rule with him. And in that, in the midst of life's experiences, and we all know life has all sorts of experiences from one end to the other of the spectrum, you know, you might even find yourselves having COVID, for example, or, you know, who knows what other things we have to face or surgery or whatever it is that might be. And yet in the midst of this, there is this joy that never goes away. It's almost like an eternal flame inside of us and it never, ever goes out and it'll always be there and it always leads us. And so I think this is really an exciting an exciting thing to talk about following our freedom, our peace, but also the outcome, the, the explosion is our joy at being in Jesus and being the forgiven ones. And so that's what I want us to talk about. I want us to pray. And then I want us to be able to share together some of the things we've learned from joy or maybe questions you might have from all of that. So let me pray for us as we end this, this part. So Father, thank you for all that you taught Paul, all the unlearning that he had to go through in order to get to this awareness 
of your incredible love for him, the freedom you provide, the peace you provide, also the joy that carried him through the ugliest of circumstances. And that same joy can carry us through whatever life throws at us. So thank you for these reminders from scripture of, of this inheritance that is ours, this inheritance that can never be taken away from us. So thank you for allowing us just the, the freedom also to share some of the things that we've learned from you in this regard of, of joy, how we've discovered it, and the surprise that it's been to us when it's come knocking at our door and we discover that there's joy where we thought there never would ever be joy again. So we thank you for that. Thank you for these moments to share together now. Amen. Mm -hmm.